Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. This week, I've borrowed a friend's time machine to skip forward 30 years to see what things are like for transgender people. Thanks, Marty. Okay, let's see how this thing works. Turn this on. Put in the year 2051 and... What does that say? Drive at speed till flashy happens. All right, let's go! Whoa, that was heavy. OMG, I'm actually in the future. Let's see what's changed. Okay, that's new. When you meet a new person, they ask how you want to be referred to. Very polite. And when you fill out a form, there are no gender boxes to tick anymore. Just a blank space for you to fill in whatever you want. Consider it. Oh, look at that. There's free counselling services attached to the sides of libraries with no wait times. You just walk right in. And I know you're going to ask about bathrooms. Everyone asks about bathrooms. But now they're all unisex and amazingly, everyone on Earth just learned to put the seat down when they're finished. Wow, we did it, people. We really made a difference. We... Joe, Joe! It's time for you to get up or you're going to be late for uni. Oh, man, that was a dream. But what a good one. Kia ora, I'm Joseph Stockhausen, and this is the podcast where I take you on the journey about what happened after I came out as transgender to my mum. So if you're dreaming about being able to navigate this, then we hope there'll be some helpful insights. And if you're someone who just wants to get your head around the transgender topic, then buckle up, because the future is now. It's still me, nothing's changed Just little parts of me are rearranged I'm still here, so are you We've got so much growing left to do This is more than just a kid and a parent Let's be transparent I'm Joseph Stockhausen, and in this episode, we're going old school. So far, we've talked about trans and gender diverse people as being young, as if they all cropped up 30 years ago as a new species. But we know that's not true. In this episode, we're talking to some old boys who are new to this particular transition of life, even though it has shaped both of them for many years. Luca Bree is one of these, a 69-year-old transgender man. Luca lives in Greyland, an Auckland suburb that has changed almost beyond recognition over the past 30 years. A constant sound of construction noise is just around every corner as single-level dwellings make room for multiple apartments, and you'll hear in the audio that constant sound of constant change. 
The idea of change is central to Luca's story, and as we're greeted by his friendly fluffy Pomeranian, I have this overwhelming sense of being welcomed. I um, came out in the 1970s as lesbian. I also had um, a son and a daughter with gay friends, um, and when, when we realised that that was actually quite straightforward and easy to do. So I don't regret that part of my life. I, I probably, the only regret I have now is that I wish that I'd got on to this a bit sooner. I always felt, I felt like a boy as a child. I, I grieved at puberty, as a lot of us do. I had an eating disorder. Um, again, it's quite a, I've learned it's quite a common experience. I think my realisation about transition started um, about three years ago. I joined the Gals Choir, which at that stage was still quite traditional and quite and, and very binary. Um, I, I was surprised. And so they split by... I, I was a tenor, um, which was mostly guys, but not all guys, and, and they were still sort of doing a couple of numbers for the men and the women. So when I trotted off with the tenors to learn to sing um, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair, which I really like as a song and wanted to sing, I got sent back by one of the older members to sing with the women. And I, I was outraged. <laughs> Not politically, but personally. And I just had to take the time to think, this feeling of ease I feel about being with the guys is about more than music because I'm not a great singer. I don't have a, you know, that's, I'm out of my comfort level anyway with singing, but I felt so comfortable being with that group of lovely men. And that I know that was a light bulb uh, moment for me. By this, he means transition, and being a part of the rainbow isn't new to Luca. He was present at many protests in the 80s for social change, including the homosexual law reform marches in 1986. Citizens of this country, we demand our rights as citizens of New Zealand. Just the thought of being confronted with that on the six o'clock news must have been scary for many young people. And as we well know, it contributed to many people staying inside the closet. And let's just say there isn't really a happy or healthy place to be. Thankfully, the world has improved, but it was more than 30 years after these protests that Luca had his light bulb moment with the choir. It would take another year of soul-searching before he decided to go forth in his transition. So I started socially by telling people, and the first person I told was my daughter, who said, um, I, look, you know, I love you and I want you to do what makes you happy, which was a great reaction. And, and what I would have really expected, I told my son and he said, it's a very first world problem. <laughs> and then the next day he bought my Christmas present round with to um, Mum Dash Luca on it. So, because I had changed my name and then, you know, as part of the process. Um, I told friends and then I did the, 
the big coming out on Facebook <laughs> to the people I hadn't been able to talk to. And I was just incredibly lucky. Like, everyone wished me well. Um, a few people asked genuine questions. And I also transitioned at work. Um, and I th- the feeling I got from them was that they were quite proud of themselves. So work was Auckland District Health Board, where I'd been a midwife on the high-risk team for, a, at that stage, 23 years. Um, and so I became one of the three male midwives. More of a minority then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and again, everyone was lovely. Um, and they tried really hard. And uh, I, did, I did also have one friend who I said, are you afraid you're going to lose me? And she said, lesbian friend of many years, probably the woman I would have considered my closest friend. Um, and she said, well, you'll, you'll change and you'll have, you'll have new friends. And, of course, she was right, but we've talked about it a lot since. I, I did fear I might lose that friendship. But I didn't. Um, and I had sort of explained that I'm, I'm not, you know, 68 years of being Caroline is not going to go away. <laughs> this is just a whole other layer of joy that's on top. This is my gift to myself of authenticity. And, um, and I think she has seen, and other friends have seen, how... I, was, I wasn't unhappy before, but I'm so much happier now, uh, which I know you understand. Stories like Luca's aren't as rare as you think. The changing social climate, advances in medical spaces, surfacing positive and accessible support groups are all steps that are making it easier and easier for all our trans whanau, not just youth. I think, I mean, people do ask why I left it so long. Um, and that was just life, really. So I was in a 20-year relationship with a woman um, and, and happy enough, you know, in that time. I also, I had kids and they became teenagers and naughty teenagers and, and just about the time I would, I guess in my 60s, where I was starting to cut down my hours that I was working way more than full-time through much of that time and doing presenting and involved with um, other um, with HIV and activism and um, NGOs and so I was busy, busy, busy not really thinking about me just accepting I'm lesbian and that's cool um, I'm female, I feel different from other lesbians on some level but I don't I haven't got the time to think about that too much um, so my partner, who was quite a bit older, had said, oh, talked about maybe retiring to, you know, a lesbian retirement village or something. And, and in my head, I thought, no. <laughs> but um, I, hadn't, I just didn't take the time to investigate that. And, and then just about the time, say, in my early 60s, where I might have been thinking about it, my daughter had a little boy and she was on her own and they lived here. So I was busy being a grandparent. Um, and um, it was really just that I, I, I had the time to start thinking about me um, and what I really wanted. And, yeah, I, I wish now that I had done this 10, say, years ago, because it feels like I'm starting 
I have started a wonderful new part of my life and I'd like more time to do that. You know, and at 10 years from now, I mean, going to be elderly. I'm older now um, and I have no problem with that, um, except that I guess I'd like more time to really have fun with this me. <laughs> yeah. I really hope I'm as happy as Luca when I get to his age. And his story isn't all that uncommon. Older folks who may have thought something felt wrong for a long time are now starting to realise what that may be, thanks to more information about being transgender and gender diversity. You are the expert on yourself. Um, and if, if you trust those feelings and just take your time. Every journey, every transition journey is individual. There's no should about this. You don't have to um, have surgery, go on hormones, be um, a different gender to the one you are now. Imagine having kids then grandkids, a whole life really, but all the while something always felt off. For 40 years, that was the reality for Reverend Carl Proven. Yep, you heard right, I'm talking with a transgender reverend. It's amazing how long you can keep a mask on for. Yeah. I, I, I think I kept mine on for, yeah, for 30 years. Yeah, that mask of being female and that mask of acting like that, even though inside you're slowly dying. Mm. And in the hypersensitive, gender-dividing world, um, I just wanted to fit in. Um, I wanted to, you know, this was where we had a great kids' church for our kids, where this is where we had, you know, this was community as we were trying to grow and become. Yeah. And I spent 20 years, the better part of 20 years, trying to prove that I fitted into that world. And that meant... For someone who knows they're wrong, I don't know, I'll put it this way, there's that sense of if you know you're not there, you'll make sure you go to the extreme end of it yeah. to make sure people don't suspect any of this. Absolutely. Mm. And you stay there and you prove it constantly. And so even if you don't believe it, you go and say and do stuff that you don't believe mm. or want to do because you've, it's almost like you've got no, like you feel you've got no other choice. And when you're young in a place, particularly around faith or or particularly younger people, I'm only in my early 20s at this point, and as much wisdom as I thought I had, the truth is in my early 20s, in your early 20s, you don't have as much wisdom as you think you have. <laughs> and you're not as bulletproof strong as what you think you are. Denouncing the church at 17, he joined the army, which you wouldn't exactly call a feminine space. When he came back and into the fray of a congregation, he met his now husband and got married in 2003. But inside the church again, he still didn't feel right. When people started to make me female and change the way I dressed, you know, change this person who walked in with a number, with, 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 with a number four shaved haircut and army pants and a, uh, and a singlet on and said, we're going to make you female. I said, okay then. And I walked with it. Mm. Um, because I wanted to fit in. Yeah. And I also and wonder, like, like, that's kind of why people are so surprised when you do finally come out because you've had to, you've, un you've unconsciously put yourself at the other end of the spectrum to where you really are. And so 
they they see the mask. You know, they see the mask. I think, uh, um, and I don't think that that experience is unique to um, a faith journey. I think that people in, in any community that are trying to fit in, whether it be a cultural community or whatever, they're trying to mix with where they are as yeah. best they can. Yeah. Um, and so you do what you do to survive. Mm. Um, not realising that it's actually destroying you on the inside. Um, and like many hurt people, I learned to suppress my identity and to meet the need of the world I found myself in. Um, a very narrow world, actually. It's not. A, some people may say, well, why didn't you just leave? It's because I didn't know where to go to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still learning how to not be military at this time as well. And, and that, for anyone who's come out of the services, it takes, you, you don't just leave and your mindset changes. You know, there's, there, there's a sense of, of journeying through a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, but I needed a supportive community, so I went and found one and I, and I fitted in. And I'll, and I'll give them some positives here. They are a genuinely supportive community, okay? It's... Um, and they genuinely try to be a supportive community. It's human nature to want to fit in with the community around you, but unfortunately that can lead young people into vulnerable positions where they have to suppress their true nature to fit into other people's concepts of acceptable. I'm talking about conversion therapy, a damaging, long-standing practice Carl found himself pulled into in his mid-twenties. Without going too much into how they did it, it was done with... And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give them this, there, there, there was a genuine want to help from there in how they believed the world was, yeah. in, in, in terms of their belief system. The fact that I think that that belief system is wrong and is actually damaging to people is currently in our media and actually needs to be brought out the damage it does. Yeah. But, it, but what that basically did is it taught me to properly hate myself to properly hate my body, um, and just and put that false mask firmly back on my face. This is how you become a woman of God, mm. and this is what it looks like, and uh, and this is the right places, and this is the how to be, and those other places in your past, well, they're bad and nasty and wrong. And so it doesn't actually change anyone. It teaches you how to project the right image to pass. Mm. And hating yourself is not a way to life, is not a way to love, is not a way to acceptance. It, it is the complete opposite. And that's the danger in conversion therapy. I eventually left the Pentecostal church as a very broken person. Um, I didn't want anything to do with the church, religion... I had no problem with that Christ part of me, yeah. no, like none at all. That's been constant, but I was done with the church. I'm going to get a job in the industry I trained in, and bon voyage. Kyle got a job outside of anything to do with religion, but it wasn't long until his strong sense of faith led him back into the church. And I went through the um, the the two year minister intern training program. But the person who uh, was my uh, was my mentor, uh, I'm pretty sure he picked it straight away. 
and was absolutely fine with it. So just just from being with you and yeah, talking yeah, with you, he yeah, yeah. and I and I and I did eventually tell him. He said, "Yeah, that that sweet ass." But the um, it's a great line for it. <laughs> yeah, but the advice I'd had from being open to some people was, "That's fine. Just don't tell anyone." I had started transitioning in twenty nineteen while I was still at that church. Um, It had come to a crux point in our lives and after talking with my spouse about it, we decided that I would start transitioning to be me properly. Yeah. To find that sense of wholeness again. Kyle started hormones in November of 2019, and it continued into the first lockdown of 2020. A move to Auckland gave him the opportunity to start this new chapter of life. So I look back on this journey and see that although it's not right, some of the stuff that I went through, although it's not good, um, and, and you'd never wish it on anyone, it has an outworking that I can now be a part of someone else's journey to walk alongside them as they figure out their way through Mm. that space. Yeah. I know that this was the right space for me to come to. Um, There's a place called Gender Dynamics in uh, in Tauranga. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, great place. Um, And um, that's when I was asked by someone if I would baptise them. You know, um, a trans woman... Uh, who wanted to be baptised and that said to me hang on a minute there are people of faith here there are trans Christians out there who want acceptance in faith Mm. who are looking for that and as a trans person of faith in the role of a minister I could be a part of that journey for her he is now chaplain at a street ministry with a focus on minority communities Now working in a place where he can openly be himself, he wants it to also be a space that parents feel welcomed. So please walk with your young person as they grapple with this becoming space with them. Be their ally as they find a healthy spiritual space for themselves. It will look different to yours. Everyone's spiritual space looks different but it's not against you. It's about them becoming themselves. I really wanted to include Kyle and Luca in the series to give an idea about this whole trans life thing long term and also to get a wiser perspective on all this. It's fine for it to feel fresh and new, but being able to have some long-term context about transition is important. Can we get this long-term context of you in the car now then? Of course, Ma. I was just bridging into the car chat. I have to say, I really enjoy these drives up to the coffee shop. (laughs) Well, like listening to both of Luca's and Kyle's interviews it it really put into perspective like how it could have gone differently for for me in terms of my transition yeah 
because it was it was a flip of a coin if I was going to come out. Um, really? The, the reality is, is that it just my mental health got so bad that I had to come out. I felt like I I just had to. Um, like there was no. It felt like the end of the road at the time. Yeah. Which is a really isn't a great feeling at fifteen. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, but like listening, like like I listened to Luca and he was just so cheerful. He was so happy. Mm. Um, and 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 what I love is that he doesn't regret his previous life. Like there are there are people who have who have transitioned, um, who have left their childhood behind they've deleted photos mm. they don't talk to their family anymore and that's not a, really it's not a choice um, but they've they've just had to leave it all behind and Luca didn't Luca hasn't done that because like he had he already had this amazing life before transitioning yeah and that I've always made sure not to delete photos um, if you know, even though it made me uncomfortable looking at them, yeah. Um, even this past year, like we've we've been trying to recover a lot of my a lot of the photos from my teenage years that weren't purposely deleted, but were neglected, like on different um, like hard drives and yeah, we put them away. Yeah, and I I hid folders on my Facebook page of the past. Well. Yeah, but like you've always had a photo of me on your in your room, like as a as a kid. Oh yeah, like yeah, no, I of course, and I still have that photo um, there. I don't think like for me, it's not. You are the still the same person. It's just like I feel like removing that is almost like hiding who you were because you were that, and it's not. It's not, um, you know, to have a go at you, but I love that child as much as I love the teenager you've become. So to hide it away, you know. I'm 22. I know, but, (laughs) you know, I love those photos. I was proud, as a proud mother can be, you know, I just don't think. I mean, I have it in my room. It's not like we have it in the lounge, you know. No, but... But the thing is, I'm at that point now where I can look back at photos. Yeah, it's funny because I um, never thought about that. Really? No, I just... I don't know. I just put... I just had it... I've always had a photo beside you of my bed. Beside my yeah, bed. Yeah, but I've... But I did make it... I did make it clear, um, at least in the early days, that that made me uncomfortable. Because from my point, it felt like you were holding on to... Having the idea of having a daughter. I think I put it away for a long time. I think. I don't think it was out. I've only put it out in the last year or so. Yeah. I think I did put it away, and then once I realised you were way more comfortable, then I put it out. Yeah, because it's it's hard because when you were because like when I was transitioning, and I know a lot of people feel this. Paying attention to those photos or those memories feels like holding on to something that you know you have to let go in order to move forward. 
yeah, in a transition and it feel like and it can though. make people feel dysphoric as well because yeah. you're yeah. seeing I used to see a photo of um you know even even at 14 a 14 year old me um with you know long hair and very feminine um and I was always like smiling in those photos but mm. it always made me uncomfortable seeing that And it doesn't now because I, I look back and I'm just like, oh, what a goof. Um, <laughs> I mean, but it can I'm take people glad a long time. that you, you know, had the courage to come out because, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I knew you were struggling with stuff. I didn't know what it was. I knew you were, um, you were on the cusp of having, you had depression. And so I was working, trying to work through that you had depression but I just felt it was like teenage depression which is what I had um so I was trying to keep you busy and um you know keep um you motivated you know that got you into that was why we did rowing really sacrificed a lot so you could do rowing and you could be physical because I knew as long as you were physical and busy you would feel better yeah but I had no idea it had anything to do with you being uncomfortable with your body. And if you hadn't have come out, it would have been a totally different story because I would never have known the pain that you'd gone through or going through. And why be unhappy? Like, the moment you took tea, I knew without a doubt that everything was going to go be okay because you just came bounding out and all this weight you could just physically see the weight lift off but I didn't recognize it before until afterwards and then I was like ah you know you really were changed and muted and not your you know there's so many things that I took a long time to piece together but didn't it didn't all come together until you were on the right path and you know for people like you know, Luca and and that, who have just kept it hidden for so long, or anyone who keeps it hidden for so long, you don't need to keep it hidden, you can, it's okay to come out, and it's going to be a rocky road, but you are going to find people that love you and accept you, and you'll find a whole new way of living, and you'll be free, and you only have one life make the most of it I think on the next episode of let's be transparent we take a look at what life looks like post coming out what some of the challenges are day to day living as a transgender person and what you should know to best navigate them the final episode of the season is going to be a live record that puts your questions to our guests so send your questions to joseph at transparentpodcast.nz Also sign up to our website where we'll let you know how you can come along. And a big thanks to our guests Luca Bree, he him, and Reverend Carl Proven, he him. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're enjoying the series so far. If you've got any questions or want more information on anything you've heard, we've put together a whole list of resources from each episode on our website, transparentpodcast.nz.
Let's Be Transparent is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you've enjoyed listening, then I'd be really grateful if you gave us a rating and leave a review. Let's Be Transparent was created and presented by me, Joseph Stockhausen, he, him, and my mum, Pauline Stockhausen, she, her. Our theme song was written and performed by Maxwell Apps, they, them. The executive producer was Tim Watkin, he, him. This podcast was produced and made by the team at Motuehe Group for Radio New Zealand. Also, huge thanks to Radio New Zealand's Liz Garten, she, her, for all of her awesome advice putting this all together. More than just a kid and a parent Let's be transparent Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A FDA approved for over 20 years So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.